Welcome to the Active Training Team podcast, where we talk about sharing ideas, adding value, and increasing engagement in safety leadership. My name's Adam Christopher, and I'm a director at ATT. Active Training Team use film, live drama, and facilitated workshops to explore behavior in the world of safety, health, and well-being. Hello, how are you all? I hope you're well. It's spring 2020 and I'd be amazed if anyone didn't know what we as a species are going through right now. First of all, welcome to season two of the ATT podcast. We're launching with a special two-part episode focusing on, you know what, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm currently at home, like just about everyone else I know. Now, I think this coronavirus has really brought into sharp focus how aware we all need to be of the impact that our individual behavior has on our collective safety, health and well-being. You might be a key worker out in the field or somebody trying to stay sane, shielding at home, or maybe you're stuck indoors educating your kids and trying to get some work done. When we do venture out, it's clear just how seriously or not those around us are taking that collective responsibility of staying safe. As I said, I'm at home with my family, which of course has its challenges alongside its privileges. But the phrase a new normal is definitely at the forefront of our minds at ATT, as we consider how we respond to the challenges of working under lockdown. But what about our colleagues on the front line of construction? You'd be hard pushed to find a higher profile or more controversial infrastructure project in the UK at the moment than HS2. Very recently, I had a socially distanced conversation with Lee Davis. Lee is Costain's key accounts director for HS2 and is a member of the joint venture board for delivering HS2. We've split the interview into two mini podcasts about how construction and industry as a whole can respond to and perhaps improve as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. So here's part one of my chat with Lee. Lee, tell me what the state of play is from an operational perspective on the HS2 project that you're involved with. Yes, okay. So HS2, the client, has been very encouraging of the contractors to, wherever safe to do so, maintain work um, and maintain the, the activity of the economy. For some of our operations, we paused when the social distancing requirements were announced, but Generally, we've found, worked through safe ways of working, new ways of, of delivering things. On our Enabling Works project, we're pretty much 75-80% now back engaged and back working. The last 25% is, is, we are working on getting that work to, to, to start again. Um, they're a little bit more challenging in making sure we can do them safely and effectively. But generally, we are back at work um, in a in, in maybe a new way, but certainly in a safe and, um, and, um, and way that respects the health and the well-being of the people who are involved. Everyone's talking at the moment about the situation we find ourselves in, and it pretty much is focusing on, on the understandably negatives that COVID-19 has brought to the world. As a glass half full type person, I just want you to tell me a little bit about what you see are the good things that are coming out of the situation we are in. It's sometimes hard to see that, isn't it? When you when you feel in a bit of despair and, and the difficulties, and you see the um, the grief of some people with with lost family members, and you see the 
um, sacrifices that people are making, such as our health people who work in a health service. But you do have to look beyond that and look at, at the things we can do to maintain our um, our people in work um, and maintain progress on our projects, and also look at the positives that you can see emerging from the challenging times. Crises like these are always the mother of invention of, of new ways to work and new ways to achieve things. So certainly there are the emergence of new and, and improved ways of working alongside the challenging times we see for many people. What, what, what are the positives, do you think, from this, from a personal perspective? But also, you, you're quite right, from a professional perspective, what is uh, what's going to come out of this? Do you think? So it, it, it's interesting. Um, what's new for me is um, is the emergence of a large beard. I last went out, certainly went out to work, but went out pretty much for anything on the 18th of March. Interestingly, I found I can be pretty much as effective here as I ever was heading in and out of London or in and out of my projects. There are a number of things I can't do, but while my projects haven't been working, they haven't been as important. And there's lots of things I certainly can do. There is a shared, I guess, ownership, shared responsibility that's been brought about by the common threat that COVID-19 has brought to to us as a species. And so there is a lot of debate and discussion and sharing of ideas, I guess, and perspectives. But I'm interested when you said that, you know, you've discovered you can be as effective working from home as you could be when you were, I guess, in the office or on site. Specifically, what are you talking about there? Yeah, I'll answer that in a second. I think part of that effectiveness is because we're all at home rather than at work. So, so you certainly don't feel left out or missing so, so in particular, the use of technology, the use of my my home internet's never had such much use. Most of the work I, I used to do, I can still do. I can connect with my client and get with HS2 and, and, and the various people and or parts of their organization. I can connect with my project team. I can connect with my head office teams. I can, I can connect with my supply chain. We've got bidding documentation that's in at the moment that we're responding to. There's very little that... I previously did I can't do now the only difficult bit is I can't get to my site until recently um, and then we had a conversation with one of the guys on site who who operates the, the drones that we use and he's able to put a drone up and almost real time you can see the operations on site proceeding so it feels like you're almost there it's um, but you get a better view than normal because <laughs> I'm, I'm about 20 foot in the air it is strange times but it's it is very strange for me how effective we can all be being remote from our operations. How much of this do you think we will take into the future, what you've just described? I think a lot of it. I think that I, the new normal is um, is going to be different. We had a briefing from our chief executive last week, and he, he talked about getting back to normal. And it was interesting. The biggest thing that the, the questions and the response after that with him was all actually about we're heading for a new normal. There are some lasting changes which I think are very proactive, going to get taken forward and um, and and generally be improvements to the way we work. There's lots of things about the, the way that we work and the way that um, people perceive things. I think another example of that as well is actually appreciating people who work from home who might be managing children or caring for uh, elderly relatives at home, actually how challenging it is 
to work from home. You're right. It's it's not necessarily an easy option, is it? It can very necessarily be quite a challenge, but you can achieve a lot more if you um if you make it work for you. It's, there's lots of things we've, we've noticed. The the use of this emerging technology, I think, will get will get greater. The ability to to see what's happening on your project remotely, I think, being able to look into the the real time action cameras um, and drones and that sort of thing, and be close to the activity with not being there. And, and I think um, a lot of our workforce, we, we will, I think, we'll find that we'll start to do things with less people. Certainly, less people in the at risk zone, if you like, less people with PPE on is a good example of that. We ask our people to wear PPE because we consider our sites are dangerous. I, I don't think we should, they should be dangerous places, but notwithstanding that, if you can have someone who doesn't need to be in a zone of PPE, they must be in a safer place. What do you think healthcare can learn from what construction has learned over the last five years? If we think there's there's been a massive shift in the last 20 years, 10 years, five years, last couple of years in, in construction's attitude and the discoveries construction has made with regard to whether it's PPE or working practices or how a, a contract is won, what is it that you think that construction can give to, to other industries? Until we get a cure or a vaccine for CV19, then humanity's response to the threat that it poses is purely behavioural. Um, in other words, it's social distancing and it's the discipline of people to um, to respond to the necessary behaviours that will stop the virus being transferred and spread. Construction over the last, well, I don't know, 10 years, but certainly in the last five years, has focused really heavily on the, the management of an environment which encourages the right behaviours to maintain a safe um, and healthy workplace, to maintain a respect for the people who are in that workplace, and also to manage and deal with certainly the perceived view of construction, that it's a, a difficult, challenging, aggressive environment for people to be in. We've worked really hard on behavioral science and on an emotional response to the people naturally have to one another to maintain what I think is a a much more healthy and a much more collegiate um, and a much more inviting environment for people to work in. And I think that's construction has had to do that by necessity. But the lessons and the techniques we've learned, I think, are one of the key things that we can um, help other, other industries with. And what does that look like in construction? you know, from a practical level and also from a a kit level? It looks like when somebody first arrives into a construction environment onto your construction site, it has a first impression, which is professional, impressive, which is invested in, which money is spent on, which puts people in a a very positive frame of mind about what you're going to do together. It looks like good quality um, communication and briefing. It looks like good quality welfare provision and and office provision. It looks like somewhere you're going to enjoy being rather than somewhere you're going to just be wanting to get home. It has the look of respect for everybody's involved in construction. And that's the first thing we do to to condition people to expect their behaviours to respond to the quality environment they first see. And this this is the direction construction has been going in the last 25 years years and certainly in the last five years how can we make the environment people work in 
safer and healthier to work in short, medium and long term. And I guess what COVID-19 has done is it has encouraged certainly those working in construction to think more like that. But what I'm wondering is, is how much more other industries can now look at, at the, the groundbreaking, forgive the pun, that the construction has been doing in keeping people safe from, a, from appropriate PPE to not a one-size-fits-all in every sense of that expression, PPE, to taking people out of the danger zones and how much I wonder will people want to learn from construction? How much do people see construction as somewhere where they can learn, uh, lessons can be learned? Well, it, all the while we are perceived to deliver late and over budget, people don't think they'll learn very much. When you start delivering on time and and making a um, a big impact by what you do people will, will think this must be interesting how do they do it so when you start showing the the sheer skills involved people will be interested in learning the lessons thanks to lee davis from costain for joining me down the line from his home i think that's a really crucial point to end with that until we can find a vaccine for covid19 our success at keeping each other safe is dependent on how we behave the top end of the construction industry has undergone a massive change in attitudes towards safety and I think many other industries across the board could learn valuable lessons from it. In part two of my conversation with Lee, we talk about, amongst other things, the practicalities of maintaining social distancing on HS2. Find that alongside our other episodes on our website, iTunes and SoundCloud. If you're interested in well-being at work and safety leadership, there will be something there for you. And if you've got any feedback or ideas for future episodes, please get in touch. You can find us at activetrainingteam.co.uk on Twitter and LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Adam Christopher. Thanks to my family for putting up with me for the last five or six weeks. My producer is Freya Hellier. Thank you, Freya. You're wonderful. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening and stay safe and well. Welcome to the Active Training Team podcast, where we talk about sharing ideas, adding value and increasing engagement in safety leadership. My name's Adam Christopher, and I'm a director at ATT. Active Training Team use film, live drama and facilitated workshops to explore behaviour in the world of safety, health and well-being. This is a second of a two-part episode looking at how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the construction industry. I spoke to Lee Davis. He's Costain's key account director for HS2 and over the past couple of months, he's been rapidly adapting to working with social distancing and lockdown. We'd love to know how you have been coping with this new normal and what you think of the government's exit strategy and how you think that will affect us. If you see opportunities for changing your work for the better, drop us a line at info at activetrainingteam.co.uk or get in touch with us on Twitter or LinkedIn. In episode one, we spoke about some of the lessons that other industries can learn from construction when it comes to keeping people safe. 
And in this episode, I spoke to Lee about how that works on a practical and manageable level. And I started by asking Lee, what's next for construction? In the short term, it's it's achieving the, the workload we can in and the production we need in an efficient and cost-effective way. At the moment, I would say, from my point of view, that the, the, the works that I'm involved with, the construction work, we're probably about 75 or 80 percent back to the number of operations we had before um, the lockdown in middle of March. So we've managed to find a way of get that get three quarters of our work up and running again in a safe way, in a way that respects the social distancing requirements and the health and welfare of our people, but also of the communities in which we work as well. So there's a 25% to restart, um, and that'll be the that, that's a harder 25%. That's the one that use more people in close proximity to each other. We've got to find a way of doing that. But we've also got to find a way then of making it cost effective. At the moment, it's it's very much been a, a workout how you can get back and get back to work. Now we need to refine that. So, so what happens next? Refine our working methods to continue to respect the the, the behavioural requirements that are on us to manage the um, the, the COVID-19 epidemic, um, and particularly to respect the social distancing, but also to, to make our operations effective again in terms of their productivity um, and their, their, well, their cost effectiveness. So that's next. And then it's to start to to really make the use of the emerging technology and the and the um, ideas that will come out of and be invented in response to this crisis. I'll just give you a small example of one, if you like, that um, for many years we've had proximity sensors fitted into large bits of machinery, which will warn the driver if, if an individual, if a person comes within their uh, the radius of that machine. Now, there's no reason why they can't be personalised. And, and you can set your two meter zone, and you can you you know that you're going to get a a buffer, an alarm, maybe in a little earpiece or maybe on something you wear on your wrist or something, that will warn you when you're getting close to someone else wearing one of these proximity sensors. Now that kind of invention, which I, I I've I've read about and we're making some inquiries about, um, would help us with the behavioural reminders that you need to maintain that discipline that is our really our closest our biggest weapon we're using in response to COVID-19. I guess while people are still in a perceived danger zone in construction they've got enough to be thinking about and on top of that now we want them to be thinking about the whole social distancing whether it's two three meters as well as manual handling good housekeeping barricading holes and what have you falls from heights all clipping on all this kind of thing that we we hope become second nature to most people i mean is there only is there only a certain amount we can retain is there or is there not well i think that's a good point you make though is, is rules and regulations you can always invent more but in the end, or pretty quickly actually, they end up just being big tomes of paper that will sit on a shelf somewhere or big tomes of filing that sits in a computer somewhere. And what we're actually relying upon is not lots of instruction and lots of pre-specified process. We're actually relying on good communication so everyone understands what we're doing and then their own behaviours are natural, almost innate and almost just a, the way you react to the environment you've, you found yourself put into. We need our response to 
to COVID-19 and everything else to be almost a, a innate natural human response, because if it's like that, everyone will get it right. So it's about a behavioural, modif- a modified behavioural response to, to what we need rather than just more and more instruction. And that, that's something that, that really comes from improved engagement with the workforce. And I've noticed through the CV19 period that our start of shift and end of shift engagements have improved massively. And our involvement in the whole of the workforce in how we go about going to work has, has increased. This is new times. We've, we've had to ask the workforce about what they think. Are these measures something they're comfortable with? Do they think they respond to everything? So instead of a couple of brains sitting together and thinking of everything and just cascading it to, to the masses, we've actually gone to the workforce, to our, to our core, our power, and said, guys, we need to get back to work. What about these things? How are we going to do it? And that feedback we've had, that positive feedback, that support, that team spirit has been really strong. Um, and I think it's another one of the key things that we need to capture and not just use in time of adversity, but have it as the norm, have it as the new norm. This is going back to what, what you believe has been happening anyway with this more collaborative and collegiate approach between the guys on the, on the, on the ground at the coalface and those, the boffins, who in the past would have come up with the rules and regs and just dictated them. So how, what, what form is that communication taking? They've been very much in the last month briefing sessions in, in outside, um, in with a lot of space around people. So you're not in in a building in a in a briefing hall or a canteen or something like that. They've taken the space of feedback on mobile phones and and the apps that people put on mobile phones. Um, it takes the, the the form I think of more communication in terms of verbal communication, more talking, and that requires more listening. And, and I think a willingness to to help each other because we because we are under under threat and under crisis. I think that that changes people's attitudes. It gives a willingness to listen. All those things I think are an important aspect of that communication we've seen improved. What 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 are people feeding back that you feel is good in the current environment we're in? That we're making provision for them to travel to site, that we're making provision, good briefings, that we're making better provision for their welfare to, so they can so they can come to site confident they can maintain their social distance. Um, we're giving them um, authority to travel letters and and giving them a status that that, that give them support for the, the fact they can they can come to work. We are working hard to maintain their economic activity. And how necessary do you think it is to to remind people that if you are showing any symptoms or any of your family members are what needs to be done yeah really important isn't it i think um so because because we can't um test and screen every single person every single shift um we have to rely on a self-declaration at at the start of every shift you have to sign to say that you're you're fit you 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 no known symptoms and you're not screening others and that sort of thing um as a self-declaration relies on people's integrity and their personal discipline we may we may find it's possible to do more testing and screening temperature screening and 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 fairly quick testing if if that that may come available to us we may prove to be a good thing to do but at the moment it's very much a a self-regulated self-declaration that you're um fit and and um suitable for working 
I'm wondering how, what's what's the provision from from with it, taking into account social distancing if if someone hurts themselves at work, physically hurts themselves from a first aid perspective. Yeah, so emergency planning and emergency preparedness is something we thought quite hard about. We've done similar to you might see in, hosp- in the hospitals. So um, our first aid kits and our um, emergency responders, um, similar to what you see for the paramedics, um, have available to them uh, mask gowns and face shields. So that, that would be that would be what they put on before they responded to an injured person. But that equipment is all available in every first aid kit. Lee, as ever, always a pleasure and a delight talking with you. Thank you very much for your time, uh, and I look forward to the next time. Okay, that's fine. Thank you, Adam. Thanks to Lee Davis from Costain for his insight into how a huge project like HS2 can maintain progress under such unprecedented circumstances. I think this goes to show just how flexible and responsive an industry construction can be. At ATT, we're looking at how we need to change as well how we can utilize emerging technology and embrace it to improve and adapt what we do without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. As Lee said, crisis is the mother of invention. And in amongst all the stress and grief, it's good to remember that positive change has to be one of the outcomes of this pandemic. That's it for this two-part COVID-19 starter season two of the ATT podcast. But I'm sure we'll all be thinking as creatively as possible to manage developments over the remainder of what is surely going to be the strangest of years. We've got an episode in the pipeline about getting young people from all backgrounds into construction. And you can find the whole of season one on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the ATT Safety Leadership Podcast. And if you've got any feedback or ideas for future episodes, get in touch. You can find us at activetrainingteam.co.uk on Twitter and LinkedIn. We love hearing your comments. I'm Adam Christopher. Thanks to everyone at ATT. Thank you to my producer, Freya Hellier. Thank you, Freya. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening and stay safe and well.